Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to episode 3 of the build-up road to Cheltenham here on Balls.ie. We are here each and every week in association with Ladbrokes as we count down to the Cheltenham Festival, which is now just over a week away. What we're doing on this show, of course, is getting you ready for Cheltenham, especially if you're like me, haven't really been paying attention to racing all the way through the year. We're catching it up race by race. We've all the big races covered in, uh, in we've some of the big races covered in episodes one and two. We did the Champion Chase, we did the Champion Hurdle, we did the Arkle, and we did the Ryanair Chase over episodes one and two, so you can go back and listen to them. Today, we're going to do the Stayers Hurdle and a couple of novices chases that have caught the interest of our very own shaman of Cheltenham, the one and only horse racing guru, Angus O'Maki. And Angus, you're very welcome back to the show. How are you? How are you keeping me? Not too bad. Good. So, well, we're only a week away, just over a week. We have one more show to go next week where we'll do the Gold Cup. And I think the Supreme Novices is what we said as well. And any other any other uh, bits and pieces that we need to cover, make sure that people are well aware for Cheltenham. But I have to say, I certainly feel a lot more ready than I did a couple of weeks ago. And we've still got lots of revision time to go uh, between now and the festival. Yeah, we're just getting through some of the big races. There's a load, a myriad of um, handicaps as well, if you want to start going down them rabbit holes. And we're getting closer now, so we have a better idea of what horses are going where. Still lots of speculation about weather, which is a major uh, facet of pre-Cheltenham predicting and whatnot. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's lots to discuss. We're a lot, we're a lot further on than we were, but uh, lots of things still to come out and lots of um, decisions for trainers to be made. But, yeah, we're almost there. We're almost there. We're getting there, slowly but surely. We are, yeah. And, look, I mean, to be honest, uh, like... It was a bit of a punch in the face this week when you're 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 kind of building up to Cheltenham. You're really getting into it and everything that happened in terms of the photo with with Gordon Elliott later with um, Rob James, which is you know as bad, and all the fallout that's come from that. And you know I think there's been a lot of discussion rightly about it, um, and it's been discussed really ad nauseum throughout racing circles, sporting circles and beyond in Ireland and in Britain over the last few days. And I would say rightly so. I think it's a really, really important story. But I suppose Cheltenham still does come around. And when it does, people will be still interested in the racing. And I suppose the point we have is, despite it being a very, very sad day, there is also racing implications. They're very, very, they're a lot less relevant, I suppose, than the overall story. But given our remit here, they are also important to to mention, you know. And one of those is that... um, Cleverly Park Stud, one of the biggest uh, providers of horses to Gordon Elliott's yard, have pulled all their horses. For the time being, at least, they're going to somewhere between Willie Mullins and Henry de Bromhead. Uh, the biggest name of them is Envoy Allen, who is favoured for the Marsh's Novices, which we're actually going to talk about in a few minutes. But even outside of him, you've got uh, Quilixos, is that what it's called, who's favoured yeah. for the Juvenile Handicap. Um, Bally Adam is, uh, Bally Adam is uh, one of the contenders and the supreme novices sir gerhard and the bumper there's a few others as well that are all going to Cheltenham that are real live contenders what does it mean when you change stables you these horses go and live somewhere else now for a week or so before they go over to Cheltenham. i i really don't know what it means i don't really understand enough about what goes into horse training and stabling to know whether this means that these horses have less of a chance or more of a chance when it comes to racing next week yeah, that's the million-dollar question, and I suppose that's the question that everybody was wondering what the answer to is. And I'm certainly not qualified to answer it, but 
somebody that probably is in a better place to answer that would be the likes of Paul Nichols, who was asked this week, uh, the UK's champion trainer, of will it matter? And he says, absolutely it will. There's a lot to take into consideration, change of feeds, change of environment. Of course, they're very sensitive animals. They know where they are. They know their environment. They, they get into their routines, going out in the gallops in the morning, coming in, having a grub, doing things at certain times. You know, it's all changed now. Um, we're very close to Chapman as well. And he certainly seemed to be of the opinion that it could absolutely affect them. And it, it is something to consider going forward. Then again, the horses that are leaving Gornadit's yard are going to William Mullins and Henry de Bronhead. Very capable hands. Um, you know, if anybody can make the transition as seamless as possible, it certainly is probably going to be the pair of them. Yeah. Well, I think it'll be something that we'll have to keep an eye on, obviously. In and 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 you know, again, it's probably not going to get as much coverage, and rightly so, as the actual human story here and and the industry story that is, um, especially the, the the part of it of Gordon Elliott. But in terms of racing, this is a big deal, and it's going to really affect uh, what happens in the Cheltenham Festival. We shall see. But let's get on to the races again. Some of these horses will come up, but the Stayers Hurdle on Thursday is the fourth championship race. As we mentioned last week, it was the extra championship race when they added a day. But it has been a race that's been you know going since the early 20th century. It's got a lot of history. It's got uh, big books probably made it as big as it'll ever be when he won. Was it four in a row? Or four and five, four in a row. Um, four in a row, yeah. Yeah, yeah. In the what the, the early two thousand tens, late two thousands, um, and what a horse he was. But I still think this race lacks the luster of the other three. Naturally, it's the PGA to the to the other three ma- golf majors. Um, but at the same time, come Thursday afternoon, there's a lot to play for here, and it actually looks a really good race because the two top contenders have both beaten each other. Um, this season well yeah just on your point about being, it being the PGA probably you're right there from a spectator point of view I'm not sure would trainers and uh, connections necessarily agree they probably would put a lot of mass on the race but uh, yeah certainly I think it's always a great event even if it doesn't grab the headlines that the other championship races uh, grab uh, two horse yeah two horse race or from the narrative point of view anyways Paisley Park and Time Hill they're at the the two primary contenders at the moment. They've raced each other twice already this year. Uh, the first time out, Time Hill won. It was at Newbury, a flat enough track. He was he had um, a few pounds in hand on Paisley Park. They met again at Ascot later in the year, and uh, I think Paisley Park won by a head that day. They were off even weights then. And as well as that, Ascot, it's no Cheltenham in terms of... Um, undulations and you know being a test being testing in the way that the final few furlongs are at the Cotswolds venue but it is a, a, t- t- a stiffer or a it is a more challenging track than Newbury which is quite flat so I think that is uh, informative how will Time Hill I know we know Time Hill uh, you know is fit for Cheltenham has raced Cheltenham before got fourth in last year's Albert Bartlett, um, will he be fit for, fit enough for take on Paisley Hill coming up the hill? On Ascot, you'd have to be of the opinion that Paisley Hill probably has the better of them there. Um, Paisley Hill won this in 2019 also. Paisley Park. 
I'm getting confused myself between the two of them at this stage. Yeah. yeah. He, he won this in 2019. No, didn't have didn't have as much luck in it last year. Came seventh. Yeah. And, well, that's what I was going to ask you. What should we read into that? So we had a 50 to one winner. People will remember last year, Lisnagar Oscar. He says, looking at his notes, because I definitely don't remember it, despite the fact that it was I was definitely watching that race. Um, but I do kind of remember Paisley Park the year before. What happened? What happened to him this last year? Do you think? And it should it be something we worry about this year more importantly? I'm not sure. Would I be worrying about him this year? He's been fairly um fairly strong. Like he's beaten Time Hill at Ascot last time. Time Hill is yeah the odds the bookies and punters by the looks of it, second best horse in the race. What I probably would be looking into is the fact that he's a nine-year-old and nine-year-olds do not have a very good record in this race. Now, of course, uh, Big Bucks won it as a nine-year-old after he'd won it three times already. Mm. I think Solowitz won it with Paul Carberry aboard, I think it was. Um, but nine-year-olds certainly isn't something that's in his favour. Being a nine-year-old isn't something that's going in his favour. Um, this is Gary Oscar. I certainly remember last year's race. and I think... Uh, it's been the horse has been overlooked this year. Last year won at fifty to one. People will say it's a fluke or whatnot. But he, racing this year, after, I think the only races you really need to consider are the races after the new year. I think if you look back on former previous years, clearly he's not a winter horse, one that likes getting out early. It takes 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 a while to get going. And this year third at Cheltenham in January, second at Haydock the last day. Um, really impressive run was coming good, seemed to have every inch of the, the, the journey and you no, know, it was coming good. I thought it was a good prep run. Um if you and if you do look back, as I going back on that previous point, the form, the horse seems to be primed and campaigned to peak at Cheltenham. And last year's campaign is very, very similar to this year's campaign. And last year came in and won in 50 to 1. I think it's very, very similar. The similarities are actually you no. Know, very, very clear. So I think huge. I forget what this uh, Oscar is, but certainly up yeah, he's in, well out the betting anyway. Like you know, we well went down to nine to one there, and I think I went down as far as ten or twelve, and uh, he's certainly not in that. So he's well down. Like I mean, in terms of not even just in numbers of what price he is, but in terms of the amount of horses between him and the favourite, is what I would kind of would 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 uh, grab my attention. This Oscar is the reigning champion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's come back this year disregard everything before the new year in the build up to Ch- and in, just consider the build up to Cheltenham and in the build up to Cheltenham third at Cheltenham fairly good after coming, coming, coming out after Christmas second to last day very very promising race I mean there's not an awful lot you can't just disregard that information I think certainly the the odds for listening to Oscar are um, too long in my opinion I think even if the horse doesn't win the race, I think certainly hit the frame. Um, and you look through the rest of the horses, you know, Kimboy is there. You see Kimboy there at 9-1 to one at the moment. Yeah. Champs at 10-1, to one, two old, old uh, runners. And this is the guy, Oscar's 14-1. to one. There you go. Same as Fury Road. Um, yeah. And, like, look at the others. So you, Roscana, Roscana, the likelihood will not be going in the stairs hurdle. We'll probably go for the mayor's hurdle. Uh, Kimboy... Gold Cup ran the Gold Cup twice. I think Willie Mullins has decided, you know, we need to do something different. Um, you know, we can't we can't um, just do this do the same thing and expect, you know, the old ice or Einstein at age about 
doing the same thing over and over and expecting the same result. Do something different. Doesn't really have anything for the stairs hurdle as such. So we may as well throw Kimbo in there. See see what he does. He's a very hard horse to or not. I wouldn't say unpredictable, but it has this ability to surprise and shock. But Kimbo hasn't jumped a hurdle since April two thousand and seventeen. Uh, Sire de Burley won the of top weight in twenty twenty and was seriously high weight in twenty nineteen. That's the handicap at the festival. But outside Cheltenham doesn't blow you away. Um, obviously, he's so prominent in the betting because of the two previous performers at Cheltenham, and probably rightly so. Mm. Again, though, a nine-year-old. Nine-year-olds don't have a great record, and the horse that Sire de Verle is a Gordon Elliott horse, very hard to read, I find. So when you consider all that and all the arguments yeah. going against all those prominent in the betting, I think listening to Oscar is not just worthy of a look is worthy of a hard look prior yeah. to the And each way more than likely just because of the price even. Like that's you know, you're you're um hedging your bets a little bit there. Absolutely, yeah. But I, yeah. I, I certainly wouldn't be surprised to see this yeah. girl after, yeah claim the title again and everybody no. saying, Well, how did we not see this coming? Because can you give, can I give you my amateur's opinion? Absolutely, I love it. In however whatever year it was, I remember backing um Hardy Eustace and the Supreme Novices. And because of that, I was like loyal to him to a fault and had him a 33 to 1 the following year to win the champion hurdle, which he romped home in. And then the following year, because again, everybody's worried about pedigree, everybody's worried about everything, he was about 9 or 10 to 1 to win the following year and did again. And I backed him again. I've made more money off hardy uses than I have in every other horse that's ever existed put together. And the reason is, I think it's a very similar story to what you're saying is Cheltenham and championship in, or, or, or festival pedigree means so much but everybody who's living it every day and is following these horses through everything they can they find it just so hard to only go off that but time and time again we see it and if Listigar Oscar won here last year out of nowhere there's no like you've made a case against everybody in the betting here every race we've talked about so far I found it very hard to say um the favorite isn't going to win this and it doesn't always happen of course but the case was made each time for the favorite this time you've made the case against every single one of them i i i'm just i love your pick here i have i have to say i think this is a it's a brave one but it's 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 wrapped in perfect sense yeah i need i think you need to give Mr. Oscar a bit of credit and another thing that's probably going against it i wouldn't say going against it but people are probably ignoring the horse for it is the fact that Rebecca Curtis isn't or is the trainer. Rebecca Curtis doesn't, you know, hold the same same uh, lure as um as the same clout as a Nicky Henderson or a Willie Mullins or whoever. And you'd imagine if Willie Mullins' name was below listing yeah. our Oscars in the race card, you wouldn't be getting those odds. You certainly would not be getting those odds. But that that's that's part of racing. You know, you see the name Willie Mullins Nicky Henderson, Paul Nichols, there's a lot of people that go and take a punt on a race simply because they, they see they look for the name Mullins, yeah. <laughs> they look for the name Henderson, and that's where they go. Not a lot of people go to a race car and look for the name Rebecca Curtis. And until uh, until uh, Thursday week. Until maybe. Thursday week, yeah. <laughs> or Friday week, I suppose, after the day after. Um okay, look, I think I actually do you know what? I've made jokes about the stairs hurdle before this, and now it's the race I'm looking forward to most because uh, you could have the Paisley Park Time Hill showdown. You could have 
Ken Boy coming back from his Gold Cup to a completely and utterly different race over hurdles. Uh, you could have the uh, Listigar Oscar doing uh, outsider win two years in a row. You could have any amount of things happen, and it actually sounds like a cracker. And they really play out these races, don't they? Because obviously the Stayers hurdle, they, they go on for <laughs> 10 minutes or so. Like, you know, there's a lot of storylines can happen even within the within the race. Yeah, it's a three-mile race. It's a long race. Anything can happen. Um, especially with horses like Kimboy. You look at Kimboy, just capable of anything. I suppose the one race that uh, really stands out in my mind was the Leperstown race. It was the Savage Chase. I think it was Christmas 2018. It was the uh, equine equivalent of road rage, where uh, <laughs> Kimboy wasn't happy with the pace or David Mullins. The pace wasn't being run at the pace he'd like so he just decides you know what i'm going to set the pace i'm going to fly off here and he flies off off ahead a circuit to go i think uh willie mullins admitted afterwards he was in the stand looking at his nephew taking off around leperstown and he was bullied he was ready to clip the ear off his nephew when he came back but nobody caught him by he, he went and won it um so he's just I, I, from that point i backed him from the gold cup um fell at the that year he fell at the first i think it was in the gold cup Mm. really disappointed last year but after Album Photo won his first Gold Cup kept punch to Kimboy beat him there so like he's, he's just very very hard to predict he's capable of being beating any horse uh, yeah. in the, over three miles there is equally could disappoint so it'd be very very interesting if there's one horse I'd be keeping an eye on in the race and keeping an eye on checking where he is where he's located, is he at the back of the field, is he up front, it'll be Kimboy. But um, yeah. I certainly wouldn't be putting all my eggs in the Kimboy basket. I'd probably still like the look of the Rebecca Curtis um, uh, horse. Yeah, listen to our Oscar. Okay, great. That's the Stairs Hurdle on Thursday. It's a championship race on Thursday. We've got so we've got one more championship race to cover in the Gold Cup, obviously the big race of the festival on the Friday. We'll cover that next week, along with the first race of the festival, the Supreme Novices, which is the one that gets everybody going uh on the Tuesday, uh the sixteenth. But um we just have a couple more that we want to look at uh that you brought to my attention. And there are a couple of novices chases um going on the Wednesday and the Thursday, very similar races here. Um, but some interesting horses for sure. The Brown Advisory um, Novices Chase on the Wednesday, which is, I think, the old RSA chase. Isn't that right, Angus? And, yeah, that was RSA last year. Now it's become the Brown Advisory, yeah. Yeah, and you've got the Marshes Novices Chase on Thursday, another Thursday race, uh, which actually is promising to be a great day of racing, actually. Um, let's start with the Brown Advisory. Monkfish is the, um, he won the Albert Bartlett last year, beat one of the horses that we talked about already, Time Hill actually, um, in that, and um, moved up over fences this year, and you were actually singing his praises a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about a different horse, this uh, special looking horse, 8 to 11. There's really two horses, I suppose, you'd have to kind of discuss together as the favourite for the Brown Advisory Monkfish and the favourite for the Marsh Novices Chase. Uh, in Voyalin. Mm. Um, the last few weeks, I have been mentioning the word superstar probably a little bit too much. I have been hyping <laughs> up. I have been hyping up a lot of horses. I'm happy to admit, but we probably can start talking superstar here. I probably should have held that word in reserve until today. Um, these are two horses here we could quite reasonably be talking about as among the best of all time at the end of our careers. Uh, take in Voy Allen first, and I, I know you asked me about Monkfish, but yeah, no, no, we move on. So, so yeah, he's no, one in the marshes, yeah. 
Yeah, so so the reason I was going as Sam Vialin because he was a superstar. He won the bumper. He won the first year of Cheltenham. Then he came back. He won the Ballymore, and now he's coming back for the March. He's raced. He's got about five grade ones. He's never lost. He was bought after a point-to-point with the aim of going to his Gold Cup. By the time they bought, I think they paid nearly 400 grand from at the time, which is huge in National mm-hmm. Hunt. And from the moment they bought him, it was the Gold Cup. Uh, everybody's been following his journey, waiting for just when is he going to slip up? Surely he can't reach his potential with this much hype. He has. He's ticked everything off. And just trainers are terrified. Nobody wants to take him on. He's just exceptional. But all of a sudden, he's no long, for some reason, he's no longer the big name because Monkfish has just burst onto the scene. And Monkfish, after his performance at the Dublin Racing Festival, despite Envoy Allen being bought with the Gold Cup in mind, being aimed for his entire career at the Gold Cup eventually and doing nothing wrong, Monkfish's performance at the Dublin Race Festival, Racing Festival has installed him as favourite for next year's Gold Cup. And this mm. despite the fact that Album Photo may be going to Cheltenham this year to win his third Gold Cup in a row. It's madness, but that's just how well thought of he is. Um, mm. I think uh, William Mullins yard have been trying to be quite um, reserved. Uh, they don't want to get carried away, but even even the lads down there, I think, by all accounts, are bubbling with excitement. And I think I heard one of them, I'm not sure, was it Ruby Walsh, that seemed to be suggesting that they reckon this could be one of the best horses they've ever had through their hands. Wow. So, so I'm, I'm already jumping ahead. I'm looking forward to the 2022 Gold Cup. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We and have basically the, the 2022 uh, Cheltenham preview here, the earliest one we... Uh, we <laughs> but I, it is... It, you have sold it to me. If Album Photo goes and wins um, Friday week, wins three in a row, he's the superstar at Cheltenham. He's the biggest horse since best mate. He goes, defends his title against two guys coming in from different directions who have both beaten all the contenders around them. They're board, it's borderline a number one contenders match now in, uh, with the, the two of them in last eliminators almost in the, in their, in their possibly their last novice chase. I don't know. They'll probably go on entry as well or whatever, but you know, in these, in, in Cheltenham, go and win the Brown advisory, go and win the marshes. And then you could have three unbeaten almost, well, two unbeaten contenders for album photo come next year. Is that, is that what we're looking at? Like, if Alvin Photo is still around, maybe... Of course, of course. I know, I know. I'm just saying that it's fed up that way. He's, uh, he, he'd have really kind of delivered in spades. Can you really put him through the torture of these two up-and-coming <laughs> wonder, wonder horses? Well, but yeah, because that's, you that's have to... Muhammad Ali needed to beat George Foreman. You know, that's this is important. This yeah. is important for a legacy. You know what I mean? You don't you don't just uh, yep. you don't just say, I won the Easy Goal Cups and here come the superstars. I can't beat them. I'm going, I'm going to stud. You know, or whatever, whatever thirteen-year-old horses do. I don't know if they go to stud, but um... absolutely could. But let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. You know, there's three races here to be run. Oh, boy, <laughs> Alan has to go and win a race. Monkfish has to go and win a race, which I may not be convinced on. Monkfish and Album Photo has what? to go and win three in a row. Yeah. I'm okay, not- we'll, we'll get back to album photos next week. And look, I, I, I'm okay with you bringing us back to earth and talking about 2021 before we talk about 2022. But you've just talked about Monkfish there and quoted all the greatest luminaries in racing as if he was the greatest horse that's ever existed. He's best mate and Arkel and all these boys 
into one. And now you're telling me he's not going to win the Brown Advisory. Every Cheltenham, there's a reason bookies come back to every Cheltenham. There's always some bankers that fall. And of all the bankers, Envoy Allen, I can't see him being beat, even if he has moved stable. Um, Monkfish, oh, he's, still, he's still incredible. I do think he's still incredible. But I've been looking uh, for alternatives in the field. And I probably am guilty. Once again, no surprise here. I'm guilty of probably leading with my heart over my head. But let's let's go through let's go through the runners. So you have Roy Pagal, first of all, probably won't go here. Uh he's Rich Richie horse, the same as Monkfish. Mm. Rich Richie, the one he really wants is to go a cup. Uh he probably may as well throw one of his darts up there, there to see what happens. So he'll probably keep Monkfish here in the eye. Uh, keeping an eye on next year's Gold Cup and may as well throw the Denisha Williams horse there this year and you never know anything can happen there uh, next destination Paul Nichols horse quite prominent in the betting former yeah, Willie Williams horse probably from what I can hear we'll be going to the National Hunt Chase uh, latest exhibition we've talked about him in a previous in a previous uh, podcast Paul Nolan's horse probably a very 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 good horse uh just very unfortunate that he's been coming up against an extraordinary animal in Monkfish. And if he decides not to face Monkfish, he has to face Envoy Allen. So it <laughs> must be, must be not heartbreaking is a very strong word when you consider the heartbreak that you have and that you can have, but it must be uh, yeah. so destroying idea. <laughs> when, you're coming up, when you're coming up against such opposition. But I think he's going to go and try and console himself, or that the yard is going to try and console themselves with the consolation prize of a grade one at Fairy House, which as consolation prizes go, isn't that bad of a consolation prize. But so I do think that they are going to skip Cheltenham. Still have entries, I think, though. So ne- you never know in horse racing, but it looks like they are going to skip. Uh, Eclatorier, then, I think that's how you pronounce it, another strange name, seems to be quite uh, unexposed, doesn't seem to have the experience of others in the field. Um only has four races under rules, so four races at the race course. But the one I like is the big breakaway. Now, he had his chasing debut at Cheltenham, won by 10 lengths back at the tail end of 2020. I think there were still concerns there at the time. Robbie Power would be riding him. Wasn't 100% happy. Came back. There's been issues at jump, with jumping at time. He went to Kempton last, uh, last there. He also went to Exeter, a very, very mediocre race. I think there was four in the race. It was just to kind of get him out. The race wasn't run the way he'd like it. And pretty much the winner just tailgated him the whole way through, got over the last and then out ahead, right past him and won the race. It shouldn't have happened, but he just doesn't seem to be that quite... He doesn't seem to be a versatile horse like some other horses. He needs the race run in a certain way. And I think that he just needs to get his act together. And I think if he does get his act together at Cheltenham, uh, I think this it could be run in his favour and it, he could just get the conditions that would help him get the big win for the Tizards. It's a Tizards now, that, that, is a, that is a heartwarming story. They have had quite a poor year, understandably so. Um, their Colin Tizards' daughter died of cancer last May, I think it was. And, you know, she was, by all accounts, the heart and soul of the yard. They haven't managed to get the form up, but if the big breakaway can just get his act together, you know, he's got through the mocks, 
know, the big exam was waiting. You'd be a late bloomer, I feel, and I think the Tizzards could have a big, big festival. I think they could surprise everybody, and uh, mm-hmm. oh, be, it should be great. They're not, they're they're a, a typical old-fashioned West Country setup. Colin Tizzards. I'm not, I'm still convinced. Do you remember the the Wurzels? The, I bought a new combine harvester. Who are? I'm still convinced Colin Tizzard is one of the members of that band. So <laughs> he's, he's pure West Country, uh, but. It seems like a great character. He's still farming as well, beef farming as well as running the horse stable, and has won a lot of big races. Won the Gold Cup with Native River. Won uh, the King George. Um, it'd be great to see, great to see them um, bounce back. And racing yeah. is nothing if not a breeding ground for redemption stories. So um, I'd love to see it. I'm, I'm all for for the Tizzers this year. I think they'll have a big festival. As I said, he's sporting a new beard. Maybe not quite Roy Keane beard but certainly a bit of a Mel Gibson vibe off it so uh, <laughs> f- fear the beard Nick yeah okay Colin Tizard I like that and and look I mean West Country recognise West Country um, <laughs> here the big the, the, what's it the big breakaway the big um, breakaway 12 to 1 on Ladbrokes um, for the Brown Advisory Novices Chase opposing Monkfish you know you want to have a look each way you want to go with uh, Angus and, and, and chance that he'll beat the 11th the, 11 to 8 on favourite. Um, it's very interesting pick. Um, Marsh Novices Chase. We don't have talk, we don't have long talk about this really. You've already said Envoy Allen is gonna win. Um this is kind of the this is the other uh big this is what Thursday's big novices chase again, kind of gold cup length. These are horses that will be going up in standard, you would imagine, to the big race next year, those who win it. Envoy Allen, we mentioned him at the start of the show. Uh he has been taken from uh, Gordon Elliott, he's gone to Henry de Bromhead. We don't know how that's going to affect him. We've already talked about that. But you just think this horse is like a class above that? You know, it would want to. It would want to take a serious unsettling for him not to to go out and beat the field here. I do. I, I do think that. Um, looking at the field, I just don't see where he's going to be beat. Especially since he doesn't see. I haven't seen anything in him in his performances that would suggest that. Where he'd fall down at Cheltenham, he has coarse form, he jumps well, he s- certainly stays. Um, you, you go through Shamblu, was uh, raced against Uncle Allen last year, and last year's Barry Moore, Kent sixth. He's been chasing this year, he's got first three times, got a second, just not at the same level as the favourite. Chantry House, same there. It's a Henderson horse, you have to respect Henderson horses. He was third in the Supreme last year. Um, I don't know, some people may have doubts over whether he'll stay. Henderson seems to be very keen that he will stay. So I would certainly take uh, take that on board. But it just staying isn't enough here. You need to stay. Yeah. You need to beat on by Allen. Um, Sporting John, he's in both, depending on the conditions. If the ground is good, you probably go for the Brown Advisory. If it's more testing, if you go to the Marsh. Um, hasn't gone three miles yet. He's beat Shan Blue over two and a half. Again, is it in him to beat on the island? I'm not sure. One horse I do like, and this is again, it's similar to the big breakaway. Uh, it's the storyline. Uh, Michael Winters has a horse, Chatham Street Lad. Uh, he won at Cheltenham there, was it in December? Won by 15 lengths in the Casbin in the Casbin Caviar Gold Cup. Uh, really, really impressive performance, but Michael Winters took 
uh, stole the show. He was rolling about in the paddock on the ground. <laughs> he's, a, he's a thick Cork accent, so the, the poor, poor creator is on a ITV racing and the likes had no clue what he was saying, but I love it. And they're owned by Mio Connections. So I think, if I remember correctly, there was something in Mio for Sam or there was a, the green and red of Mio. You could hear it. You could hear it in the near the paddocks at Cheltenham. So it's just a pity if he ever did win it in shock that there isn't a crowd there to be exposed to this yeah. Mayo celebration. Uh, you know, it'd be pity it'd be empty. Sure, look, that's what you said in uh, December, and sure, whether there was a crowd there or not was irrelevant in the end, I suppose. But uh, come here, your old mate, uh, Energamine, the mad joke, is uh, three to one for this race. Yeah, we the, shouldn't look into that, should we? No, absolutely not. The, they throw them in every race because you may as well have them in. You can take them out of the last minute just in case whatever happens. Who knows? Um, no, he won't be going here. I think okay. we're, fairly, we're fairly confident to that. Okay. So what we've learned today again, and this is like we're looking at the Stairs hurdle, Angus fancies, and he's explained why this Nagar Oscar fourteen to one last year's winner has a great chance. We're looking at maybe an outsider in the big breakaway for the uh, Brown Advisory, and we don't, we can't look past Envoy Allen in the Marshes Novices Hurdle. It's all up to you, though. We've gone to go through all the horses. There's all different things, but our aim again is not to have the right bet on these races, but for you to be up to date so you know what's going on come Cheltenham week. And I think we've definitely got there over the last uh, forty minutes or so. If you are having a bet, of course, on anything, including Cheltenham, uh, please do always gamble responsibly. Visit dunlouis.net for more information. Um, Angus, we've one more week to go. We're going to talk about the Gold Cup and the Supreme Novices, and again, we, we, we'll chat about what we've missed as well. Storylines are emerging as we get closer to the festival. But um, I really feel I'm really pumped now. I actually a week and a half to go. I can't wait for it. I uh, absolutely, even if there is no crowds there, I'm going to be glued to the TV. I still think it'll have the same buzz about it. It'll be unusual not seeing the cheer for the Supremes. And, you know, crowds try to replicate the cheer again for the arc and, and even for most races of the week. And that is going to be strange and it'd be strange to see which horses it benefits, if it has any effect. But we're getting there now. The narrative yeah. building and developing. Uh, I, I'm in the same boat, Mick. I can't wait. Brilliant. Well, we'll talk to you one more time next week and then we'll see what happens Shetland week. We might do a few things as well. But uh, thanks a million to Angus as always. Thanks a million to Labrooks. Thanks a million for you for watching and we'll be back with you next week. You can listen back to uh, the build up with Kevin Doyle yesterday. We talked about the Manchester Derby. Kevin had some a brilliant story about uh, uh, Wolves ending Manchester United's winning streak in 2011. A game in which he scored actually but uh, neglected to tell me that on the show. He's very modest as Kevin uh, but he did talk about Kevin uh, Ryan Giggs kicking the legs off him as he was time wasting or acting the Egypt as Kevin said at the end so do listen back to that uh, on this feed as well and of course next week we'll be back with uh, the last vote to Cheltenham which will include our Gold Cup preview and we'll be back with our preview of the Six Nations game between Scotland and Ireland with Stephen Ferris so do join us then